poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today's guest is a fan favorite, one of my personal friends, DGAF. He's the host of the podcast sessions where he details his day-to-day life on the grind, his third rise after going broke a couple of times, and we've had some good news in the third rise department because DGAF has been commenting on the Hustler live stream, which is a really great opportunity for him and his brand and his podcast, which is very, very exciting. He's also been playing some high stakes poker on the Hustler live stream, which if you'll remember a tactical Tuesday, yeah, from a few weeks back, John and I discussed DGAF's you know, unmasking of himself on the Hustler live stream, which him and I are about to get into in this following conversation. We're also going to talk about G-Man. We're going to talk about DGAF's plans for the future of his podcast and his brand, what he's been getting up to in the world, and how his journey back into the arena of high stakes poker has been going. So without any further ado, I welcome back a good, close, personal friend of mine, a man that I've gone to war with many, many times on the green felt, the one and only DGAF. Yo, yo, welcome DGAF slash Billy what I will refer to you moving forward because DGAF is so annoying to verbalize out loud. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Uh, what's happening, Brad? Good to be on again. Yeah, Good to see your handsome face. I like to see it on Twitter, but it's even better on my laptop screen. Thank you. Um, on Twitter, you know, most of my posts these days are my assistant, Gwen, you know, promoting the shows. I get kind of over Twitter like pretty quickly, you know, <laughs> just yeah. the whole poker Twitter uh, gig. It's, it's rough, man. Yeah. Um, I got to be on there a decent amount too. Well, I don't have an assistant. I'm not big time like you, but I think it's pretty well established, agreed upon that you're the most handsome face on Twitter, at least in <laughs> poker Twitter. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know, you've been showing your face out out into the world more often as well. I, I, I want to talk about that because as we said, you know, you're out. People know what you look like. You've unmasked yeah. yourself. How's that coming? Um, It's been interesting. I, I still wear sunglasses. I'm still hanging on to my eyes. <laughs> um, I, as I've said a bunch of times, you know, in my content and in other interviews, I never had any ambition to be any sort of personality, celebrity, whatever you want to call it. I've always just been a poker player and a storyteller. That's where my heart is, um, being very private and anonymous 
And I love that. But it, this, it's kind of do anything you can to come up when you're 48 years old and you got two kids and your expenses are incredibly high in Southern California. It's kind of do whatever you can do and stop being so idealistic. That's, that's how we got here. Well, you, you built everything you've done. You know, you built yourself up as the hero, right? In this, in this journey, in this story. And some people, people's minds, some people's minds. <laughs> or the anti-hero or whatever it is. A lot, right? of, a lot of haters, but yeah, there are a bunch of incredibly supportive people that, that uh, would feel that way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, basically, we, we make podcasts not so that we can have less listeners, e even though, you know, we can be idealistic in the beginning and have the, you know, devil may care attitude. But at the end of the day, I think we would rather have more downloads than less downloads. Um, and I can say that <laughs> just with extreme confidence in my case, at least I want more rather than less. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's really good to, for you to show your face and also you have the opportunity with, um, you know, the hustler live stream to really elevate, you know, your pod, your brand, just all the things that, that you're wanting to do. And to me, I assume that that opportunity is just like too good to pass up. Yeah, it just, it's been a pretty huge bink in my life that Ryan Feldman left Live at the Bike, wanted to start something fresh with Nick Fertucci. And I don't remember the exact initial conversation. I don't know if I reached out to Ryan or Ryan reached out to me, but either way. Did you guys the, know each other? I assume you had a previous relationship. Yeah, we knew each other for probably 10 years in LA. I actually introduced him to Garrett. So I feel like feel good about that, that I, I changed some poker history by introducing the guy that makes the show and then the star of the show, uh, which was at Live at the Bike and now I was at Hustler. So I, yeah, I don't, I didn't have any experience commentating like everyone else. I thought I could be a great commentator because I know what's going on. I can think quickly. I can be funny when it's time to be funny. And it's much tougher than I thought it was going to be, but I'm still learning. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's just, I got really lucky. I, I worked hard for, for four years is my story is that I hit rock bottom in 2017 and then worked my ass off like as hard as I could and kind of wasn't really getting anywhere. I was Sisyphus um, just forever and you got to explain just, the, the Sisyphus, you know, we, we can't just pull these out of nowhere. What, what's so, the, someone the tale of Sisyphus? In a review, I probably said it wrong, but it's the guy trying to push, push a, the a, rock. Yeah. Up a mountain and just never gets anywhere. And that was me for four years. I started, I had a startup called poker eggs, which I still haven't made any money off of it. It's profitable, but I'm just thinking long-term with it. And I started, I had a vlog for a while that I canceled and I was How always you a, have a vlog. I'm sorry. A, your a, face. Blog, a blog, a blog, <laughs> fuck, a blog, My bad. a blog. I wrote, I had a blog site and I got rid of that. And I always wrote on two plus two. And then I had a mental health podcast and none of these things were ever going to make me any money. And then I started Sessions, my poker slash life podcast. And 
just kind of stuck with it. And then about a year in, hit a turning point where I got the feedback that uh, do this. This is your this is your shit. Um, do this. And still, I just grinded it so hard. And, and and this year, everything's finally coming together. And a lot of it has been luck, just staying alive and, and, and having a good opportunity come up with this amazing company, Hustler Casino Live, and with the Hustler as well. I actually work with both the High Stakes Poker Productions, which is Brian Feldman, Nick Vertucci, and Patrick and all of them. I work for them, and I also am working for the Hustler as well. It's two different entities, and the GM of the Hustler, Sean Yapel, is, I mean, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm just saying this, but it's just the coolest uh, person in the casino industry I've ever met, and just someone that believes in, like, you do something good for us, we'll do something good for you, and uh, it's all going good right now. I think anybody that is familiar with you or your story would – feel pretty confident that you're not just someone that says things to say. Yeah. Things. I, I can't, I can't like bullshit. If, if Sean Yeppel is a dickhead, I wouldn't say that, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but he's just a genuine dude and a good businessman who gets it that, that, uh, you know, bringing in people that have a following and do have credibility and can attract players, um, is valuable to them. And, and he'll take care of you. And same thing with Ryan and Nick. It's just been, it's just been really fortunate for me. Uh, I have worked hard for five years or whatever, but first four I didn't really get anywhere, and now I'm starting to finally. I think, I think a lot of times, you know, this is sort of how it works. Like, um, there's a, a quote that says, "We always overestimate what we can get done in one year, and dramatically underestimate what we can get done in ten. And so persistence is just a key piece of the puzzle. Um, and I mean, you're a likable guy and people root for you. And I think that you keep moving forward. Something was inevitably bound to happen, like good things. Uh, could, could you tell me, because this is something I'm curious about. I've, I've only commentated poker a couple of times and it was during, <laughs> it was during the, I think it was Doug Polk versus Daniel Negreanu challenge um, for Solve for Why because apparently everybody that they knew had traveled out of country and they had they they only had me available um, and it ended about as unprofessionally as a commentating session can end where basically they started at 5 p.m. Eastern and I told them hey guys like we're gonna roll but. I take my edible at eight and I'm asleep by 10. So like if they go over, you get, (laughs) you get whatever you get. Um, they did go over till about nine 30 apparently. So I was very, very high at the end of, uh, you got a little goofy. I I got a little goofy. Yeah. yeah. But the first three hours, that was relatively okay, but it was a format that I'm pretty unfamiliar with. I'm not a, a heads up specialist by any stretch. Um, haven't put in much volume playing heads up, but like, like, you i do feel as if you know i got the stuff to commentate like a full ring environment um and i know that there would certainly uh, i would certainly get humbled kind of straight away what are some of the challenges that you faced that were unexpected with commenting um on the hustler stream so this is going to seem like we rehearsed this but 
what you said is the biggest challenge. Three hours, sure. But our shows are five hours or six hours. And you're sitting there in a booth by yourself looking at two different screens. Mostly you're by yourself. Sometimes you have a guest. But you start to get a little loopy after a while. You start to go to outer space. You're looking at a chat scroll that's going very fast on a screen that has the action on a 10-second delay. And then you're looking at the other screen, which you're commentating on. And it's just a long time to be focused on something without getting a little goofy. And <laughs> I think people actually like it when towards the end of shows, when I just stop giving a shit and just like, just starting being, start being ridiculous, but it's different. It's a, what I'm commentating on is a reality television show. So it's not Doug Polk versus Daniel Grano heads up where everyone wants to know about each play. And they, they probably want it to be more serious. I don't know that people want me to be more serious. I don't believe, uh, I believe some poker can be serious and we'll talk about it, I'm sure today, but I don't think most of it should be. And live cash, higher stakes should not be. And I think, I think, uh, yeah, so I, have a, I had it easier than you. You were, you were commenting on something very official, very serious in the poker world. I'm not, I'm commenting on guys who, uh, you know, just have different jobs and come there to gamble and have fun. And it, it's, so the biggest challenge is staying focused for five hours. That would yeah. be the number one. The second one is I'm a sensitive person. I'm a sensitive boy inside. And just like my son is so sensitive and I, it's just how I was. And I still am um, the chat, the, the scroll, which you do need to read or peruse while you're calling the action. They can be so nasty and, People say, well, it's just internet trolls. You know that. It still gets me. I, I still have to fight off getting angry or sad or whatever. Um, it might sound ridiculous, but that, that no. would probably be my, my second biggest obstacle. Yeah, it's there's a human being behind a keyboard somewhere who's typing these awful things in the chat and for some reason feel as if like it's an acceptable thing to do. So to me, like most human beings would would be uh f you know feel sensitive to that sort of like yeah just awfulness really is what it is and, and i assume like they're probably not even talking about you for the most part right or sometimes yeah no i sometimes they are and sometimes they're just being super mean to any women that play and and that's brutal that's just like yeah that gets me as well and and even if they're just being mean to a dude just being negative and toxic and all that shit, it's just, it's just rough, right? And you'll see the pros, like Dave Tuckman is a professional commentator. I don't think it, it hurts him. I think he just knows what it is, but he's been doing it for a long time. And he just, he just goes right over it, laughs at it and moves on. I aspire to be more like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, I've cut all anyone negative judgmental i've cut all of them out of my life i just had to they were bad for me and so as a commentator i'm being reintroduced to people that can say like you suck you're boring you don't know shit yeah uh get bart hansen in here whatever it is <laughs> and 
And uh, so that's the one that hurts the most. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, he's great, but it's like, what do I? Okay, yeah, I'm gonna get him in here. He doesn't even live in LA. Um, so no, don't don't those take are, me those away. Are the two biggest obstacles: is staying focused, and then just the haters. But I don't. Other than that, like some of the the tech stuff of. Forget if you're looking at, at the chat screen, you're you're on a delay of what you're commentating on. So sometimes I'm like, wow, I really like that squeeze there. And then I'll look over to the right screen, and, oh shit, the flop's already out. And that person just flopped two pair. <laughs> like, yeah. Because on the left screen, the flop doesn't come out. And it's just uh you you know, going back and forth. Yeah, I guess I guess that's about it. I really do love it. It's a it's a brand new form of content for me. I've only done it about two months in total. And I still feel like I'm going to get to a point where I'm really good at knowing what the game is, what my role is. Mostly my role is to let the table or the viewer feel like they're at the table, hear the table talk. I don't talk over it. I feel, you know, I feel in the silence and call the action and, and just let people know he flopped double gutter, he flopped parent gut shot, this guy flopped air, this guy's back doors, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I will get there um, hopefully sooner than later. And, and people tell me that, that I do, do well already, but one example I will say is past week, I think it was, it was Tuesday night, I had Garrett Adelstein in the booth with me, and I know that's everyone's favorite poker player and I go way back with him. And normally my job is to let the game breathe and let, let the viewers hear the player. I knew with this guy in the booth, it was to interview him for five hours basically and, and, and let him call action and stuff. And so I, I felt good about how I facilitated that. And I talked to the producers after and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Like normally we, we just want to hear, you know, hear the players, but obviously people wanted to hear Garrett. So I don't know. It's a learning experience. Uh, I love it. It's just, it's just brand new for me still. Um, why do you think Garrett's everybody's favorite player? Just as, as like an aside, what, what is it about Garrett? You know, you mentioned Whoa. that you introduced Garrett to Feldman mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. I think like there's a, he just has a weird thing where like he's very noticeable, like in a room, you know, he sits down at the table, but probably because he's like giant and muscly and would always buy in like 10 X what everybody else was playing he is a super achiever yeah. in life not just in poker but in life and, and a lot of people love that and respect it and when it comes to playing poker that they've seen on stream he is the best they've seen consistently he and he has the most heart which i think is what resonates with everyone uh, is this guy will just put the money in uh, and, and he's over the years learned the soft skills to, to get that action. He, it, you remember playing with him back in the day, he wasn't smooth and he didn't know how to dress and talk and, and all that and interact with the rec players. But because he wanted to be a great poker player, live poker player. He had to learn all that stuff, which has nothing to do with Sims and, and, and all that. Yeah. Just like being a cool person. I mean, 
it takes you further than than you would think in live poker specifically because like the best the, the thing that you can have going for you that's greater than all the other things is that people just enjoy sitting down and playing cards with you like when you sit at the game you you can the, everybody at the table knows that you're a favorite and that you're going to be winning money at the end of the year but they still are happy to see you there right like that's that's the best skill that you can have as a live uh, live pro for sure. I, I remember when he came to L.A., I knew he was good. I knew him from before. And I always loved when he sat in my game, despite knowing he's going to, like, be a, a nightmare to play, especially out of position, and you're just going to have to get money in a lot. Because just so funny and intelligent and quick wit, uh, you could just time will go by, by fast. It wouldn't be me talking to a bunch of people that, that aren't picking up on my sarcasm. Um, and so he, he can do that with everyone. He interacts with this person this way. You'll, you'll hear not that, not that he needs to entertain Julie Orn. She's someone who plays on the show as a producer. She's a winning player, but he has a way to interact with her and, and, and they talk about movies and stuff. And so he finds interest in each player and he really is the poster boy for for live pro, I think. And, and, but I also don't think like people should try and model that. I don't, I don't think people can come up that way anymore. I think he's got, he's got his place, but I don't think uh, you can play as hard as he does and get action consistently. And I know that's going to be controversial, especially talking to you. But uh, one thing I love about our conversations is we have different philosophies and neither of us really, uh, ever gets triggered by it. Nah, not really. I mean, I, I do think people can, I think there, there will be people who take the same path eventually as, as Garrett and kind of follow the Garrett model, whether or not they can, you know, ride it to where Garrett is currently at. I think that's, I don't know, but, but I do think he has, you know, he's kind of forged that model and I think people will follow in those footsteps eventually. It does take, it does take a specific type of person though. It's the personality side of live poker is not a thing that a lot of the crushers can just turn on, um, in an instant, right? They're just not made that way. Um, I want to go back to the trolls for a moment though, if we can segue away from Garrett for a minute. Um, I, yeah, like, I, I think, so this is my personal opinion. And I know Tuck very professional, way more professional. I mean, Tuck would have never gotten high on the Solve for Why stream with Dean right. Eggs and Doug Polk. But I don't know if Tuck has a bedtime. I've got a, a very hard bedtime at, at 10 p.m. Um, but yeah, I, I think on, on that stream, probably an hour or two in, I mean, I just, I, I can't help myself but make fun of the trolls. Like, I, it's just like something in me is like when people start attacking some, it's like, a switch flips and I'm just going to come after them and make fun of them. Um, and I, I actually love it when commentators or people go after those guys because like, man, like they really just deserve it. Yeah. You can call them nits as well. Just people that want to take and, and, and not give and, you know, infringe 
I always go after nits. You, you probably remember that from playing at the table with sure. me. If someone's being a fucking nit and trying to see change and, and whatnot, they're, they're, the foreman's not going to tell them that's not cool. The dealer's not going to tell them that's not cool. It's up to the players and it's up to the working pros. And so that's always been me. And I've got into it with a ton of new pros who didn't understand. And most of the time they, they figure it out and we're fine later. Um, I do that. I do that. With, with the trolls in the chat as well. Uh, a lot of times, if, you, if you're watching a stream where I'm commentating and I get quiet for a while, I'm fucking typing. <laughs> I just type like, shh, or like just troll them back. And, <laughs> and even like, yeah, like even as busy as I am, which I'm incredibly busy, sometimes if I have to check out of my hotel early before the show, I'll just go to Starbucks and get a giant coffee and then just go in their comments and just troll them back and just tell them like, because I don't know. I like wasting time. And also I like standing up to fucking nits. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the good news is like, there's never been any respectable poker player to, to the best of my knowledge that's watches a live stream and trolls in the live stream. Right? Like it's, it basically is signaling that you've had not much success especially in the world of poker and probably not in life either, because I mean, let's think, let's like be realistic about it. Right. Like I don't know of many successful people that hang out in live streams, just making fun of whoever they feel like making fun of. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope, I hope you're not poopy pants 22 in there telling me I suck, Brad. It could be you. How it's do my I alter ego. It's poopy, Is it? poopy pants 22. Yes. That, that's yeah. it. <laughs> They'll how like, did you know they'll be like you idiot uh you said he <laughs> it, it, the best thing is when they run it twice whoever doesn't benefit from running it twice is a stone cold moron mm -hmm. like that's that's my favorite thing but yeah uh yeah who knows who the trolls are there might be some pros out there that are just fucking with me uh, i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting better at i'm getting better at at not caring and just I can just like tilt that screen away for a little bit. And it's funny though. It gets everyone. I've commentated with co-owner of the show, Nick Vertucci. And I'm like, great, man. I'm going to have the chat aimed at you. And then I'll, I'll call the action and come to you for some color commentary. And we'll, an hour into the show, like I'll be feeling great. And he's like ready to break something. He's like, <laughs> here, you look at the fucking chat. It's great, man. It's a, uh, and I should also say it's only it's only about 10% of the people in the chat that are maximum that, that are horrible. They're just yeah. horrible. They're just they're it's misplaced everything. And about 90% are really great for for the community of it. And, and a lot of them are hilarious, just subtly hilarious. Sometimes you have to fight. Uh, laughing just because you read something that, that was that was really funny and I don't know it, it it's it's just trolls man I don't know I'm not um, sure who uh who on the hustler live stream these past couple of months like who who do you enjoy watching play um, that maybe you didn't previously who do I so I really enjoyed this kid who just learned poker he's in crypto his name's wesley his twitter is at crypto apprentice one and he's a big time crypto influencer and 
he's got all the money. He's in his early 20s or mid-20s. And he had just lost, uh, I think, $20 million in crypto and, and basically cashed out and waited for it to, to like bottom out, in his opinion. And while he was doing that, he just walked into the Hustler. I think he had played cards a couple times and just saw the stage and he saw the glass doors and basically just walked up there and knocked on and said, can I play? <laughs> yeah. And he really didn't know all the rules at the beginning. And he's playing in the fucking Friday game with Garrett and Gall. And he's play- he played every single day. And you just, uh, obviously his fundamentals were very poor at the beginning and, and they're getting better quickly. As much, as much as he wants to put into it, he'll get out of it. But just hit the amount of gamble he had was very uh, fun to watch. Um, Come on, man! He, he comes from the crypto space. Like you guys, you guys are nothing. <laughs> High stakes poker—that that ain't nothing. No, I, I understand world. it's all relative, but but still, if you're just like jamming 10k in there over and over and rebuying and laughing, I I respect that. And and it was cool to see that he had no background in this game, but he has this uh, innate talent. So he would make really good plays here and there. Um, so he's one, let's see, I've been commentating, I know this person's a controversial figure in, in live stream. I like commentating when Poker Bunny plays. I think she plays very well and it drives so many fucking people crazy that she plays very well. And I kind of. Why, why do you I, think that is? She's she's actually uh, gonna gonna be on the pod in the near future as well. Why does it drive people crazy? Well, a lot of people are haters of of young women like doing well. That's part of it. She does. She has a couple areas of opportunity to be better at the table. She could play faster. She could interact in conversation a little more, and not just about her. Not just talking about her thoughts, but man, she's 23 or four. I don't remember. And will sit down with anyone and will, she executes more often than not. And I don't know. I, I like it just because uh, I, cause I don't hate women and I don't hate young people. So just like if it was <laughs> some old dude doing that, I would respect it too. some newcomer. Yeah. He, that that'll be the highlight. You don't hate women and you don't hate young people. I don't. Man. And you also like old people. So you, you that's, I, that's the quite... only thing I don't hate anyone. The only thing I'm against is nits. People who take people who infringe. Other than that, I I'm a fan of everyone. That's just, that's just how it's been for a long time. Well, you know, you mentioned the third rise in our last conversation that you're going to be devoting more time to playing cards. Mm-hmm. And now you're playing cards on the Hustler live stream. I don't know exactly what stakes you've been playing leading up to the Hustler live stream, but I know that you know you're playing relatively big on on stream. How does that feel? How's that going? So it's an adjustment. It uh, yeah, basically most of my career I was already. I was already uh, like a veteran over 10 years ago. I was already trying to get out of poker over 10 years ago. And most of my career 
was at the 10, 20, 40. That would be like the median stakes, right? Yep. And then I've talked about hitting rock bottom in 2017. And since then, I've been trying to go on some sort of run in smaller games, get my confidence back, not really, and this will sound lame, but not really so much in my ability to play poker, but in the deck. I just had a year where I ran so bad that it, it shook me. It gave me poker PTSD, sort of called it. And so that's what I've been doing is playing games where I'm kind of numb to the stakes, two, five, 10, mostly in the last four or five years. And then I would play sometimes 10, 20, 10, 20, 40 occasionally. But yeah, lately I'm playing bigger again, especially when I play on stream because a 10, 20 game on stream is always 10, 20, 40. And then it becomes 10, 20, 40, 80, sometimes put on the 160. And suddenly you're playing big again. Uh, my first time playing on the stream, I played a 26K pot. I played several big pots after that, after the show was over, we stayed. And it's definitely an adjustment. I'm, I'm still getting reacclimated, but it feels good. And, and I've only played on stream twice. And the second time I played was uh, this most... Uh, what, just a few days ago on Wednesday. And the game played a little bit smaller, but it was 10, 20, 40. And towards the end of it, I felt fine. I was, and especially after the stream, which will be in my podcast. I don't, I don't know when I'll drop it. But after the stream, I felt like me, I felt like prime me again, shorthanded, super deep, 20K deep, and just uh, flexing my poker muscles of, I know you're light here. I know you know I'm light. You cannot call this much money. And I was just doing it over and over. And I, I maybe overdid it because the game ended up breaking. But it just felt fucking good for a little bit. Just a few hours after the stream. And I and both times I played on stream, I lost on stream and got unstuck later. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not being hard on myself for... Sometimes I'm um, thinking, oh, shit, we're, we're about to play a 20K pot. I got one pair, and I haven't done this in a few years. So it's fine. I, I'm getting more and more used to it. I'll be, I'll be fine with it soon. And as my financial situation improves, uh, that, that'll be the big thing. If, if I can get you know, flush again, then I, then I imagine I'll have no problem with any stakes, and you'll see comfortable me at all times at the table or most times at the table but i'm not there yet and, and i'm okay with it i'm totally okay with that I, I was out of sorts the first time i played second time uh, a couple of hands i was where you just sort of like, whoa what the fuck bright lights we're playing huge pots here the guy just jammed it's gonna you know i have one pair but i think i should call or yeah so well, to be fair on the first stream i'm pretty sure the biggest pot that you played was with a six and a deuce to the same suit that you, you three bet pre. So um. I will speak to that as well, Brad. <laughs> I know that that made you sick. No, I didn't saw care. That. I, I didn't care. I was, I was hoping that, that you got there, hoping that, hoping the villain folded. Neither, <laughs> oh, of, neither of which happened. I, I will yeah. say I, I did like skim through, but uh, you know, this is how much I like you as a human. I skimmed through all six hours trying to find like the interesting pots. And like, there was one where the, the board double paired and you had queen high. Yeah. I, should have called. I was like, I was like, ah, oh, sweet. Like, this is a good one. He's going to call. And then you fold it. And I was like, this motherfucker. How can <laughs> that, that, that one was bad. I, I for sure was out of sorts. The first stream 
I played better the second stream, no question. Still wasn't like comfortable. But let me let me go back to that six deuce of hearts hand. So I was talking, and we can even rewind it further. Your, your show is called Chasing Poker Greatness. And I've long said that like, you just can't be that serious at the table. You won't get action. It's not sustainable long-term. The games, you'll end up only playing with other really good players and the game's too slow and the rate's too high. You need to have a very fun game. So I've said that forever and I wanna change that to if you wanna play live cash, that's, I, I think that holds true. If you do wanna become the best poker player you can become and play very well, I think that's what tournaments are for. I think that's what those high rollers are for. Cash is for it too. I mean, you think no. Garrett's, Garrett's not like giving it away. He's he's one of one. He's one of one. So yeah, he he's not one of one. There are other players. That's why that... I said he can't. He couldn't come up in this world because he wouldn't get. He's already earned his spot. He's already he's a star. He's a streaming star. So that's good. He can play very well. Not that you really just can't play your hardest in poker in general in live cash and especially on stream or you're not coming back and so what's more important i mean holding you, the six deuce correctly or coming back to me to me like it's the mark of a good poker player if they can take the worst of it or do something that is out of line that they know will be long-term good right like right. it's a good long-term play and like live pros should know that right so i mean like you said playing slow you should play fast you should get out of line you should play hands you're not supposed to they should go to showdown you should be right. unafraid to put the money in but you don't need um, to do that in in tournament poker no no no. i'm saying in, in yeah. cash games i don't right. even, i don't think there's anything like wrong with that i mean be a good loser no. like when you lose laugh and just be good for the game right i think i think you can play both hard and well and also get out of line and that's okay and i think that like there are places in the the big live game hierarchy for that type of player you think so that those people don't have seats and even uh, in games off stream i mean i guess garrett's the only one that that gets I, to sit in the game those other guys have to like claw to get a seat just in, in i'm not even talking about on stream it's just well the world has changed it right it's been it's been seven years since i've played live poker in right. Earnest, right so like the whole private scene and the politicking side of it is not a world that i've ever been a part of and so i i don't understand that ecosystem i, I think my major point was like you can still be good for the game and win money and, and still play hard right and of course people can it, enjoy playing with you that that was it yeah people have to enjoy playing with you. And when you're playing on stream now, you can't afford to be card dead, especially your first time playing on stream. I hadn't played a pot. I hadn't, I hadn't entered a pot in 40 minutes and no one would ever accuse me of being a tight player. It was just nine, three Jack deuce over and over. And finally it was well cut off open on the button suited hand. That's horrible, but we're deep. And let's let's see what happens here. And then, of course, two other people called, and I, I made a questionable bet on the flop, but I, I like it. And 
um you know i picked up the dream turn card yeah, you, and you got there on the turn <laughs> I, I opened it with a flush draw jammed it in there and he thought and and called with top pair but people are going to fold top pair there a lot and then run it twice and you know you can get there at least once i didn't and i, I was fine with it i didn't i don't think there's that to me again i mean it's a horrible hand six is just a horrible hand we both can agree on that if it's the only hand of poker i'm ever playing i'm folding it Right. But if I'm trying to earn a spot myself on stream because of how good it can be for everything I do, my podcast, my commentating even, and everything else I do, okay, I've been card dead. I'm playing whatever gets dealt to me right now. And, and I did that a bunch. I probably overdid it, in fairness. I couldn't get a hand, so I limp, re-raised, ace, nine, off, suit. A lot of it worked. A lot of things worked. But things I just I would just accept that I'm card dead in a regular game. Right. And still be funny and, and have drinks and whatnot. But on stream, I felt I felt pressure internally to, to be pick. Yeah, you're, you're playing the game within a game. And yeah. again, I, I think that when you're playing the game within a game, at least, you know, cut off first button. It's like a situation where they're opening wide and like there are, you know, you do have a six and a deuce, but like you're not drawing stone dead versus like uh, a cut off flat versus your three bet. And whatever, like decent things can happen and it can, it's not the end of the world, right? So again, you play the game within the game and the game within the game is getting in there, mixing it up with a hand that under normal circumstances you should fold, which I think is, you know, the telltale sign of a pro, right? Like if you're right. in that environment on a live stream and you know what the deal is, then you've got to be entertaining. You have to get in there and mix it up. And that's just the reality. That's why you're there. Yeah. I think that's not just streaming. It's even more so in a stream game, but just in high stakes live, if you haven't played a hand in 40 minutes, you gotta, you gotta kind of force the action. Of course you could just be dealt good cards. And then if I'm dealt good cards or a reasonable distribution, I can just fold that one. Right. If I have like, if I'm getting like eight, nine suited and whatnot here and there, I'm just not getting anything. So uh, the second time, interestingly enough, the second time I played, I made a big hero call and a big hero fold. And that kind of won over some people. So there's different ways to earn your spot when you're playing on stream. I just felt like I should be action. And I'm action anyways. I don't care. I always try and bluff. And, like, I just bluff more than anyone ever in no limit hold them. But uh, I also, people really responded well to a, a, a hero fold I made. And so all that, all that stuff matters. And then next time I play, I don't have to be as spewy. I, I can be a little more calculated in my uh, spew. I can you know just go for it when it makes more sense to go for it and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's gotta be opportunity there, right? To do something that is engaging. And sometimes in poker, like, there are just very long periods of time where there's no opportunity and you're just nothing the, the stars are not aligning in any single way. And you either force the action or you just don't play any hands for, you know, however long it takes. Right. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do. One man Coach Brad Wilson. has a surefire plan. 
neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash Rated R. Moving forward, you know, after these couple of streams, I assume, you know, now you're you're going to be playing on stream more often, more commentating. What does the, the near future look like for you? So starting in two days, on Monday, I will be starting a 5-5-10 No Limit game at The Hustler, just for The Hustler at 11 a.m., and then I will be playing on stream 10, 20, 40 usually at night. That's Mondays. And then Tuesday, I'll be starting 10, 20, no limit for the hustler in the morning, playing for five hours, taking a quick break, commentating for five hours. On the Tuesday game, which is this crazy anti game, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a great structure. It's 5 5. The blinds are 5 5. And there's a $100 big blind ante, and it plays. It plays like a 5,100 game easily in size. Um, and then Wednesday, I'm also going to be starting games in the morning and putting in a session and taking a quick break. And then I'll be commentating what will likely be 2550 uh, most Wednesdays. And then, and then leave LA, head back down to San Diego to, to get all my content together and be a dad for the next few days and then go back up Monday morning and do it again. Yeah, that that doesn't seem like a lot of time to uh, be in the lab hitting hitting the books. No, um, pretty busy life you got. Yeah, it, yeah. I think we were. You hadn't hit record yet, but I said last time we spoke, I was going to have more balance in my life this year and more time to work on my game and prepare for sessions. And, and it's just been the opposite. I have less time to do that, and I'm okay with with that. If my life ever slows down and I get opportunity to play really big and I, I have time to, to like do all the things you need to do to play your best, including uh, exercise and, and study and all that, I, I may. But right now I'm happy with being this content creator and using just my experience to to spew, spew around and still be a winning player. And, and it's all good. It's all going in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other night, you know, like mapping out my vision for, you know, chasing poker greatness, the podcast, uh, my CFP operation, uh, just coaching, just really everything, you know, and figuring out like what the future holds and realize like, man, a year ago, I felt like I was covered up and now I feel like I'm covered up and I just have this endless list of things that I need to do, um, have to like feed the, the, the podcast beast, have to interact with my community, have to, you know, lead this group of human beings that are in my coaching for profits operation. Um, and just kind of had this realization that like, I, I don't want it any other way. You know, it's, a uh, I don't know if you've ever played um, games like Diablo or Path of Exile that are just like dungeon crawlers, you know, hack and slash. You get loot, you upgrade your stuff, 
Um, and I remember playing those games and, and thinking like when I'm in the dungeon, right? Like when I'm killing all the monsters, thinking like, man, I can't wait to get to the next dungeon so that I can like upgrade my gear. Man, I can't wait to get out of this dungeon. And then eventually having the realization that like slaying the monsters, being in the dungeon, being in action is actually the most fun part of this whole process, right? Like this thing. I think what just, you're saying it is it's about the journey rather than it the is. finish. It's about the journey, right? Like just this daily grind of, of hacking and slashing and, and getting all these things done. I've realized like, I want that. I think at this stage of my life, I need that. And I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I didn't have, you know, a new dungeon to enter, to try to upgrade everything that I'm doing. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I would be okay working less, but I get what you're saying. Um, I, I, I look, I'm already thinking about next year because I just set my podcast up for a year and the way I set it up this year is just so time consuming. I'm already thinking about next year. Um, how, how could I actually have time to, to live my life and not just work and not just grind? Um, but I understand what you're saying too. A lot of people need that grind and I'm a little bit older than you. I'm ready to have like some fun in my life and I really want to, do something that's not going to make me any money. And that's, I want to coach basketball. I want to coach my kids again. I love it so much. And obviously I'm not going to make any money, but what it, what I get from it is just incredible. I've, I've documented that in my poker podcast. And I see now all these kids that I coached when, when they were really young are a little bit older and so many of them stuck with it. And I feel like some of it had to do with, with my connection with them, with, with getting them to be, you know, achieve, putting them in the right spots and, and having success and whatnot. So uh, I, I understand a lot of people need to, to, to grind. Well, and I'm ready to grind a little less is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to kind of get, I don't, I don't want to kind of twist like my, my sentiment here. I do have fun doing what I do. And I think that's like, that's the thing that I've realized is like these conversations to me, this is fun, right? Like I enjoy doing this, right? Um, We have uh, with two of my guys, uh, John and Shu. John is my Tactical Tuesday co-host and Shu's now the the private coach for CPG, you know, in in building up our, uh, you know, the, the Coaching for Profit, the Wolves program, we've spent Tuesdays, we block them off and we call it strategy day. Right. And we just spend all day Tuesday grinding and thinking about poker strategy, analyzing data, like bouncing ideas, trying to solve problems. And I've come to look forward to Tuesdays more than all the other days. I'm hanging out with two human beings that I genuinely love that are my best friends in the world. And we're solving hard problems and yeah, it's like challenging and difficult, but man, it's fun. And like reaching the end of that means that like, we're not going to be doing that on Tuesdays anymore. You know, and I, I, I'm a realist as a human being, we have these different seasons and phases of our life and things change, but right now, like I I love doing it. I I love having these conversations. I love coaching the wolves. I, I genuinely do watching somebody like progress rapidly as a poker player, man, that that's fulfilling and really, really fun to me, but it is also time consuming and it is difficult and challenging. But yeah, I I think for me, 
that is that is the fun, right? Like maybe there will be That's more fun. more fun down the road where I can let loose and doesn't have anything to do with like business building or anything like that. But for now, these are the things that I think are fun. Yeah, there's something actually romantic about being on the grind as hard as you and I are. Like I just dropped off my kids and it's Saturday night and I know I, I had this interview with you and then I need to review and record two pods. And I'm looking forward to like having my shirt off, having it be dark and just really, really fucking delivering some good content. And you, then you, I'm going to record in the nude. Is that, is that what you said? Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I used to wear shorts. But I will if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. I want to imagine you just sitting in the nude in a dark room. Recording no, but I like that. So I like the connection. I like the rawness of when you're in a dark room, you, you got your shirt off. And like it's fucking Saturday night and people are out at bars or whatever. And you're not. You're fucking grinding. You're, you got your notes that you wrote and then you reviewed and you thought about. And you hit record and you start telling a story and you go back in your mind to whatever session it was or whatever day it was in your life. And you just get lost for about an hour. And it's just fucking raw. And it has, you know... It has technical issues. You say, um, and whatever, a decent amount and use the wrong word here or there, but it doesn't matter. It's just so fucking raw that when you're done, you feel, you feel alive and you know that when you put it out there, it's going to resonate with some people and fucking make them feel alive. I love that part, but so then it's going to be midnight and I'm still going to be working on something and then it's going to be 2 a.m. and I'm going to be like, fuck, man, when am I going to get a night to just go have fun. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to say. You know, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit too, because like for me with these conversations and mo most all the conversations that I have on the pod, right? Like I love them. I cherish them. I would have them off air. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, they don't need to be recorded, but I, I, I guess why does the story, why does the journey, these memories that you have of these, like these sessions, these characters, um, this narrative that you're telling, why does it resonate with you so much? And you feel this pull to, you know, share this bit of your awareness with the rest of the world. So what, wait, Say that again. Why does Basically, it like, why do these stories resonate with you so much that you feel so compelled to because, share them? So there was no, there's no conscious reason that my podcast became a life story. Just like my thread on two plus two that was famous until I had it removed. It started as a poker story. I just wanted to give something back to people and kind of educate you can make money in live poker by playing your B minus game. You're going to make more money playing your B minus than your A plus because no one's going to want to play against your fucking A plus and they're going to love your B minus, which means you're going to be having fun. So I just want to, and then it just became this kind of epic thread where I started to talk about my life. I needed to, man. I needed therapy. I had no idea I needed it. And it just for a few years was in the form of writing on this fucking weird internet forum and then 
I started a podcast and that was a mental health one. And that felt good helping other people. We, uh, my friend who's a psychiatrist and I at least saved one life. That was, that made it all worth it. And then once I started this, I thought it was just gonna be my sessions. I had no plans for, for my podcast sessions. And then, like I said, about a year into it, I was just sick of poker. I was just running horrible. And I just told the story of my daughter's third and fourth grade basketball team, their championship run. And I was their coach and I wound up these girls and like we played against tougher teams and we fucking destroyed them. And I was kind of misplacing my anger with variants on the rest of the league. And it, and it, and anyways, there's something I felt like doing. It was all organic. And that's when people said, man, when you just are feeling what you're talking about, that's the shit. You're a podcaster. And from then on, I knew that anytime I could get passionate about something, sometimes it's a poker hand. Sometimes it's like a really sick read or, or just really having the heart to go for it when everything's going wrong. A lot of times it's something interesting that happens on a human level at the table. And just knowing that so many people listen, listen like regularly three times, four times a week to my podcast, I know who I'm speaking to. And I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's because it's just, it's just relatable. It's, I'm no one special. My journey's not that special. It's, it's unique. Not that many people have been submerged in the poker world as long as I have. Not many people have been flushed twice and are trying to do it a third time, but older with kids and alimony and all this shit. But uh, I think it's just, I know that when I'm locked and, and, and I'm going back in my memory and just telling a story, even if it's trivial shit that happens, it's comforting to people. It's, it's solidarity. And that feels good. Yeah. I think what you said there, the passion, people respond to passion always, you know, people buy passion, people respond to passion. They can tell when somebody's full of shit, they can tell when somebody's authentic and when somebody really loves or something or really cares about something in the podcasting space specifically, which I don't, I don't know if you did this intuitively or not, but it is a very intimate medium where you're speaking directly to someone um, and there's only your voice, right? And so these relationships, uh, people have relationships with the people that they listen to regularly um, on podcasts. It's just, that's the way that it works because that's what the medium is, is really great for. Um, so you kind of intuitively chose the best medium. I mean, you, you said earlier, you know, you had your vlog, which was, you know, you like in a dark closet, I guess, just speaking. No, it was a um, blog, man. <laughs> I, I mixed up the words A fucking blog. Are you old enough to remember those things? I remember. But you just write and like three people in the world read it. Yeah. Like, like MySpace. What were the other ones? There were some like other popular uh, blogs back in the day that I'm blanking on that I can't remember. But I remember like I remember when blogs became a word. It, it wasn't even like a word before like some time in the late 90s. Um, I don't remember it well because I, I'm getting older and my memory is a little bit faulty in my teenage years. But um, yeah, man, it, it, it's good. I, I think that like you enjoy telling stories. You're passionate about it. And I also think you're passionate about helping people and making people's lives better in any way that you can. I think that's something that drives you else 
why would you keep making content? Why would you have a podcast? Why would you feel compelled to even write a two plus two post in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it's not that pure anymore. I wrote on two plus two all the time when I had plenty of money. And for sure, it's me wanting to keep my kids in their situation, in their, in their you know, very privileged situation, which they didn't need what they had before I got any clue in life. And I didn't want to disrupt it when I started getting clue in life. So, and then I also want to like come up financially and my podcast does well financially. I literally get a raise every single month since I started a Patreon page in April of 2018, I think it was, or no, I'm sorry, April of 2019. And it's over 5k now and I'm providing value. I have almost a thousand hours of fucking spew. It's, it's bedtime stories. It's going for a walk story. It's, uh, so it's, I, that's the passion where you get it. But also I know this is my way out. It, I don't have the patience to sit at a poker table for, and grind and fold and, and like, I don't, and, and be fake and all. I don't have that anymore. I want to be at a poker table having fun and using it for content and also to show people that you can win and goof around. And that's what I do when I play yeah, on stream. Right. They, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? You, you can do the thing you're passionate about and pay your way through life at the same yeah. time. I think that's just like, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and speaking of, you know, I've been one of your patrons now for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. I, I have no idea how long it goes. I just get Best charged. money you ever spent. Actually, you, you sent me money last year. I don't even mm -hmm. know. Like, I, I think I broke even last year. You're like, hey, yeah. you won some money, and I don't even know what I won it for, but I was like, all right, man, you want to send me, send me the money? I guess send me the money. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I know Billy's out there in the world doing good things, helping people. It's like, it's an honor to send you my whatever, 14 or $18 a month, however much, much it is. And then somehow it gets sent back to me. I, I still don't really know what happened. There. It gets, let me explain how it gets sent back. Well, thank you, first of all. And it means a lot when anyone signs up and there are different tiers, $4.20, $4.20 a month is the lowest one. And that means a ton to me when anyone does. When peers do it, it obviously is a little extra special. Um, and then, so you're at a higher tier and your tier gets a, a free roll in the World Series of Poker main event every year. And that's what happened. You had a tiny piece of someone who won their way through the home games we have in the community that I've built that has no rate, no one takes any rate. It just goes all back to the players. And so you had a piece of Check Race Charles, if you know who that is. He played the main event and he got not min cash, but the next one up. And so everyone at, at that tier got a little piece that basically paid for their, their Patreonage for that year. And if he had won it, you would have come up. You would have like made good money because <laughs> you had whatever percent of him, right? And, and I don't know, he cashed for, so what did he get like? 20k or 17k whatever say he got like you know if he wanted you would have got everyone would have got a lot so that's how that, that happened yeah i think it was like 200 bucks something like right. that um which yeah basically paid for my year of uh sponsoring you which which to me was like you know at first i was like uh, i don't really i feel bad you know uh like just i almost said man like, it's fine. You know, it's cool. Just keep it. But then I, I realized like, you know what? 
I guess like this is Billy's way of like blessing the people who have helped him out and him giving back. And apparently it's built into the fine print, which I never looked at. I never even looked at the right. fine print in the first place, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, and yeah, I can't suggest to the CPG listener enough to support content creators where you can, because, you know, in this world, you know, the poker world, we, we've kind of alluded to it in this, in this episode, right. Of like, you know, you can play poker for a living. Live poker is, is a different world than it used to be. You, you have to politic, you have to do things now that I did not have to do back in the day. Right. Um, and it's difficult. And as it relates to, to the content space, you know, you've been making stuff for four or five years before somebody threw you a lifeline, right? Before you had outside assistance that uh, really helped greatly what you were doing and elevated it. So yeah, we're all out here trying to do the best that we can. And we, we have to support the other content creators because God knows the poker world at large, the, the poker platforms, generally the casinos, nobody's out here facilitating and helping people. They do it because they love it. They do it because they're passionate about it and they don't do it to get rich. Um, so yeah, to the CPG listener, if you want to support Mr. DGAF, please visit his Patreon. What's the, uh, the website there? It's patreon.com slash DGAF poker player. There you go. And we'll put that in the show notes as well so that you can click through. I appreciate that. So let me just say that I said I'm not quite the idealist I was before with regard to anonymity. I still, I won't say that I don't think I'm anyone special. I know I'm no one special, but I don't think anyone's special. I think we're all just who we are and about the same and have good, have bad and good strengths, weaknesses, whatever. But maybe we're I'm, all special. Billy, Maybe sure, we're all, we're all special. <laughs> However, you want to, but we're not. There's like seven billion of us. None of us matter, man. But if you can do stuff for other people, that's that's good. Anyways, I, I uh, remain an idealist, and that I don't want to put. I know one thing I can do is provide an escape. When I get locked in, when after I'm done with you, and I review my notes and whatever, and and it, the sun goes down and. It's dark in here. And like I said, my shirt's off and I got a fucking Mountain Dew Zero and I'm connecting. I'm, I know who I'm speaking to into the microphone and, and I'm going back. I have notes, but I'm also going back in my mind. So when I'm doing that, when I get locked, which is not always, and, and my listeners are patient, but when I do, I know everyone who's listening, as long as they're not busy doing something, they're not thinking about their own shit. They're getting a break from their own shit for one hour and that feels great. That's the escape. And so I don't want to, when they, the moment they, they forget about, oh shit, my kid's fucking up in school. My wife kind of hates me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if my boss is going to give me a raise. Whatever it is, the moment they forget about that, that's so healthy to get that break. I don't want to be like, have you thought about getting a new toothbrush that's also <laughs> a hairbrush? Like, I just, I can't do it. So that's why I went to Patreon and it's, I know I'm not the only one who does it. A lot of people cut out the, the, the advertisers and just say, you want this shit without, without ads, um, you know, sign up for a few bucks a month and add value in other ways. And, and I, not only do they have endless content, 
Um, but they also have a community that's pretty amazing called DJF Community. And I talk about that a lot in my content as well. Yeah, it, it's on Slack. And I haven't been around very much because I have, I have my own Slack community, man. I have, I have so much to do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be everywhere at once, you know. Uh, um, by the way, uh, this will probably be the last time I ever say this in my life, but like when you were in just in DGAF mode right there, I, I felt like mean Gene Okerlund, uh, in the eighties where Hulk Hogan's, you know, cutting a promo for, uh, whatever event he's about to throw down. So yeah, let's, uh, I think mean Gene and the Hulk, we're going to wrap this one up. You can wait till the sun goes down, take your shirt off, Hulk up. Jump I'm going to get fully naked tonight. <laughs> yeah, per, just go. per your Super Hulk up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There we go. Um, if the, uh, the CPG listener at this point in time wants to check more of you out, where can they go? I guess the Hustler live stream may, may be the best place these days. I don't know. You, you tell them where you want them to go, Hulk. So... If they want to check out the podcast, it's just called Sessions, DGAF. You can search DGAF or Sessions. It should be the first thing that pops up. The It's a dragon um, for my nickname, Dragon Man. That's the design this year. And the design what happened the, to the train? That was season three, man. We're in season five. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this view train was season three. There's So I, I like to come up with a different theme and different intro and outro and all that. So they, if they want to hear the pod... They can, and I keep some stuff public and most of it's private. And then they can also check out Hustler Casino Live on YouTube. It's just phenomenal entertainment. And I'm lucky as hell to be, to be a part of it, to be on that, that rocket ship. It's gone. It's, it hasn't been in, in existence for a year yet. And it has, I think about a hundred thousand subscribers already. And it's just unbelievable picture quality, sound quality. And like I said, people like Dave Tuckman working on the show, and Garrett Allestein playing and also these other characters you wouldn't know, but uh, yeah, you can find me there. And you'll, you know, that's you probably would get sick of me if you both watch that show and listen to my pod, but well, whatever. L- luck is when preparation meets opportunity and one can make the argument, you know, you, you've been preparing for quite a while for the opportunity and the opportunity was somewhat inevitable, you know, like you said, as long as you stay alive long enough, I, I think the opportunity would be inevitable, but it's great, you know, seeing all the good things, wish many, 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 many more good things upon you in the upcoming year. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll have you on who knows sooner rather than later. I'll assume. Thanks a lot, Brad. I wish you the best as well. And I know things are, uh, on a similar trajectory in your career right now and that makes me equally as happy it's great great stuff man peace out peace thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on apple podcasts or on your favorite podcast app go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter join the greatness village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.